Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello. Welcome to episode number 13 of How Do You Write? And I'm your host, Rachel Heron. Today, we are talking to Clara Parks, who is a particular friend of mine. We went to Mills, not at the same time, but we had similar experiences at that college, which is amazing. And um, she actually wrote the foreword for my collection of essays, A Life in Stitches, which came out from Chronicle a few years ago. And I'm just feel very lucky to have her as a friend and a sounding board, and I really enjoyed chatting with her. So we'll hear that in a moment. Um, I got bashed by a huge migraine yesterday, which kept me in bed and under the weather, very, very under the weather. It was uh, not bad. I hadn't had a migraine in nine weeks, so that's a pretty long time to go. But of course, every time I uh, go a long time without a migraine, I hope that I am finally done with them forever which I never am. This one was from lack of sleep and a little bit of stress and and um, all that stuff. So I'm feeling better today, although I think I might still be in it a little bit. So this will be a short hello, how do you do? Um, but in the writing world, this week my book came out, The Songbird's Call. If you're watching on the video, here's a picture of it. It's a girl and a guitar because it's about three country singing sisters. This is book number two. It's Molly's story. And I have to say, I utilized a review team this time. Basically, I put the call out on my mailing list, which as a writer, I believe is your number one tool, is your mailing list. No one can take that from you. Facebook can't change the algorithm on your mailing list. So I emailed out and asked uh, if people would like to be on the review team. And I accepted a bunch of them and sent out advanced readers' copies of this book, The Songbird's Call. I sent that out about a month ago and asked people to read it and be willing to review it, honestly. And uh, as of yesterday, it was the second day the book had been out and it already had 44 reviews on Amazon. So I am super pleased with that. People are really liking this book, which makes me very happy. Uh, Molly is a woman of size in this book and it is not a thing. It is something she thinks about because she lives in the Western world, and that's something that we think about. Uh, as a woman of size, I could tell you we do. But as a woman of size who's comfortable in my body, I really enjoyed writing another curvy woman who is mostly, for the most part, comfortable in her own body, and that is not the problem she's fixing in this book. Um, she is not being saved by anyone or anything. She she comes pretty well prepared uh, as, a, as a full human being, which is something I like to write. So um, that has been going smashingly, and otherwise I'm just trying to finish the third book in the series. Hopefully the first draft for that will be done by next week. I hoped to finish it this week, but I didn't get that done. Um, we were in Idaho for some family illness, and now we're home. And So yeah, I'm just glad that I am able to take time off when I need to. Nowadays that I'm writing full-time, I can take time off and go see family. I can spend an entire day in bed. Of course, though, yesterday, the day I had to spend in bed was the day I had a podcast scheduled. Um, and I had a reader's group scheduled 
a bunch of people who had read my most recent book from Penguin, The Ones Who Matter Most, and um, I had to cancel, and I really hate doing that. And I was super stressed out on Twitter, if you watch me there. But um, the guy who organizes it actually got back to me and said, let's do it in two weeks. So um, we're going to do it then. And and I am off the hook for that. I hate letting people down. So uh, that was great. And um, that's it. I'm just going to get some more writing done tomorrow when I feel better. I'm going to give myself a little bit of a break for the rest of the day. So I hope that if you need a break, you take that as well. Um, if you don't need a break and you are into listening to things that are awesome, please keep listening to my chat with Clara Parks. She is hilarious and smart and funny and awesome. So enjoy. All right. Well, today we are on episode number 13 and I am so pleased to introduce Clara Parks, who's a friend of mine. And Clara, I'm so thrilled that you could be here today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Let me give our listeners a little introduction. Over a decade ago, Clara Parks abandoned San Francisco's high-tech hubbub to build a quieter, creative life on the coast of Maine. Since then, she has become a trusted voice in the knitting community. Her most recent book, Knitlandia, has taken a very well-earned position on the New York Times bestseller list for travel. And Mason Dixon Knitting says Clara Parks is the MFK Fisher of knitting, unflinching, all-seeing, mysterious, and also kind. Clara is also the publisher of KnittersReview.com and has appeared regularly on the PBS television series Knitting Daily TV and is a frequent contributor to Twist Collective. And in her spare time, Clara loves to putter in the kitchen and is a huge fan of butter. These are all things I love about you. Thanks so much again for being here. <laughs> and Knitlandia was just <laughs> wonderful. Thank you for every... I, I love all your books, but I really, really love that one. Let me ask you. you a little bit about your process. Where? What's the best time of day for you to write and where? Uh, absolute best time is morning after I've had my tea and I've taken a little walk, preferably to my coffee place or someplace where there's noise outside to yeah. like block out the noise in my head. Um, and until about one o'clock in the afternoon. And then after that, I have to shut it off. Don't even try. Stop, stop, stop. It's going to suck. <laughs> um, so it has to be that morning time for me. I am exactly the same way. How, how far away is your coffee shop? Is it like, is that like a five minute walk or a half an hour walk? It is nine tenths of a mile to be precise. Oh, uh, I can't remember how many steps it is. Yeah. It's, it's per- the only problem. Well, or benefit is all downhill oh. to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would much rather have it the opposite way. Yeah. So yeah. you're like trudging and then at the end it's all, oops, but no, it's, it's, downhill there but it's uh and does everybody know everybody else enough there? Of a walk to like yes and that's unfortunately sometimes that gets to be too much and so i have a backup coffee place you know what i mean when yes. it gets to be too like oh hi Clara, what are you working on today and they sit down and you're like uh, i'm working i don't uh so that's when i go to another the backup coffee shop where i hide in the corner I abandoned a coffee shop exactly for that. It was my favorite coffee shop and I'd written there for almost 10, 10 years and I recently gave it up completely because just putting my earbuds in and saying to people, okay, I'm going to write now, it became not enough. So now I go yeah. to Mills, well, your alma mater. Oh, you do? I go every Where? day. At the library? Actually, I, I, I have been to the library once or twice, which is more than I ever went to when I was a student there. Um, Me too. <laughs> And it's amazing. They have carols 
to study in with with power. But usually I go into, you know, the tea shop has the um, the faculty tea shop area behind the dishes room. I go in there because I have gray hair and everybody thinks I'm just some professor and everybody thinks I'm a professor in a different department. They see me there every day. <laughs> the nice thing is they you think I'm, an, I'm a genius. They think I'm in a different department, so they don't talk to me. The students rotate. I never see the same students every year. I don't have to talk to anybody except Cindy, who sells me my coffee and knows my secret. Oh, you're a genius. <laughs> in fact, on my bio, I put that I'm the uh, writer in residence at Mills. And then there's an asterisk. And at the bottom of the page, it says, they don't know it, but I am. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Perfect. That was more about me than you. I apologize Genius. for that. I like that. And how do you no, write? No, 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 no. Do you write longhand, computer? I'm a, I, I always have been a longhander. Really? I don't. Yeah. Um, like for what well, it, it depends. I, I know those are the most useless answers. It depends. <laughs> Period. Oh, but, um, for for anything requiring a lot of thought, I have to write it out by hand and see it on paper, like see the words and how they fit together and the ideas. And and I, I do it that way. And I love pens, not like, you know, pink, feathery, clicky pens, but like I have my, my, you know, good luck fountain pen. And uh-huh. there's always like each book or each project has a slight color because I'm in a different mood. So Yarnaspura was um, the Old Man Winter. It's a Japanese fountain pen ink, and it was just this gray kind of Ooh, that's set. So gorgeous. I don't know if it, it like follows your mood, but but I don't, I don't get all fussy about it. It's just like a silly little ritual that I have. And and after the writing out by hand, then I feel safe starting to put it. But something about just starting with a blank screen and like. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's horrible. How I, that's how I type. It, it, <laughs> doing the words is is better. And then once you want, to, you want to fill in stuff, that's when you start to type, and then you can really plow through it. Let's uh, what what it. kind that of makes it sound. <laughs> what kind of paper do you use? Are you a yellow legal pad or? I'm so curious. Um, uh, I don't want to endorse them because I'm not so fond of the paper. It's too thin, but I just have, um, moleskins, oh, not yeah. even the fancy moleskins. I just use the, do I even, I don't Those, think the I, floppy ones. Yeah. The floppy ones. Yeah. Uh, it has to be, this is the one exception. Cause I thought I had lost my moleskin and I got this at, what is it? Patrick and company downtown oh, San yes, Francisco. That I, I have a friend. I had a friend in town. Yes. That was the first place we went to this, to Patrick and company. That place is amazing. It is. So it has to be like that size, and uh, so we're looking at about an eight and a half by eleven there, right, or a little bit smaller. Yeah, eight and a half by eleven, so you can make big mistakes on it and draw lines around and cross stuff out and get angry and and, and then feel like a genius. Um, so it's funny. Yeah, I feel like writing on paper feels more real sometimes, um, and mm-hmm. and I and I do very little of it, so I I have a little tiny secret heart of envy towards your process. <laughs> I I have a bigger secret heart of envy toward your process because it's so much more efficient. Come on. It's like, why did I take out my, my abacus? <laughs> I mean, you can move through thoughts so much faster once you start typing. But I really want, I, I, I guess that's, it's a writing abacus. Abacus. I like that. <laughs> and do you plan out what you're going to write before you 
write it or are you a discovery writer? Um, I come from being completely untrained and thus very impetuous. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to write a piece about swatching. <laughs> and like, why is this not working? So over time I've learned like, yeah, you yeah. got it. I don't do like, you know, chapter paragraph one introduction, <laughs> but it does. It helps me to just like, okay, what, what is it that I'm trying to get across here? What are the, are there three key points? Uh, and then from there I can just move in, but I have to like know what I, what is the, what is the message? What's the takeaway, kiddo? <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst writing advice you've ever been given? Um, you know what? I wouldn't call it advice. My problem again, since I'm, I've always known since the beginning of time that I wanted to write, mm-hmm. but I never, I went to Mills and I tested out of freshman English. I never did. I know. I went straight to art history and I I just, there's something about like, you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) Um, So I'd say the, the, it's not exactly worst advice. It was more of a challenge. It was my high school English teacher who who was the biggest influence on me as a, a word person. And my brother had had him like three years before and practically like barely made it through without flunking so he saw my name and was like parks (laughs) and this guy was a terrifying like drill sergeant mr geis he had taught at the air force academy and everybody was totally totally terrified of him and um and what happened was the first piece we had to write was on uh it was thoreau uh, about Mm -hmm. walden i'm like on walden pond wait um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with Henry yeah. Fonda, my yeah, favorite. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I was so, so terrified. And I, 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 you know, turned it in. And then the next day, everybody, like, everybody, you guys suck. You all suck. You're terrible. You're horrible. Everybody's miserable. Everybody gets an F. Except, I know. And so that, like, I got an A on that first paper. Ah. So immediately he was like, oh, my God. He gets, like... But at some point during that semester, I remember him saying, and I don't know if it was in response to me, he said, it's funny how all my female students want to be writers, but all my male students end up being writers. And that was the like, oh, oh no, you didn't. Oh, oh, did you just say what I think you said? And so, so it's not, uh, that's not the worst writing advice, but it was like, uh, uh, so much was propelled by that horrible, horrible statement. That is great. And aren't so. you grateful to him now? Yeah. Because that's what I am. You, you, you fought against. I had a, I had a professor in college and I'm still, I'm still friends with him. But at one point in his office, he, he looked at me and he goes, Rachel, you have all the talent. And unfortunately, talent doesn't get anybody anywhere. And I just don't know if you have the determination. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go get some of that. And I, yeah, where do I determine? <laughs> yeah. And he was one of the first people I ever sent that book to. And I remember, and we were friends at that point. And I remember saying, see, I do, I do have it. But yeah, I think that that, that can be very, very valuable. <laughs> yeah. Negative, negative advice exactly. or feedback, whatever it is. <laughs> what, um, what secret writing tip of awesomeness did you discover the hard way? Oh, the hard way? <laughs> The hard way would be um, choose your first reader very, very, very carefully. Oh, I learned that one the hard way, too. 
Was that for the first thing you ever wrote? No, it was, (laughs) it was for something that never came out. Ah. It was, um, it was between it, it, it was something that was a move into a different genre and I was being encouraged by my agent and I'd spent a lot of time on this piece and it was a young adult story oh. and I a lot of time and I'd even traveled back to New York to gather facts and, and I put it together and everything else I had shown my partner Claire she's edited all of Knitter's review she's edited all my books she's like the first person I trust yeah um and so and she's a major major reader huge she reads yeah. every issue of the new yorker from cover to cover oh my every week god yeah i can she's barely get through the the comics i swear to god that's not even a lie i don't have time <laughs> i know i feel like is that russ chast Yay! <laughs> so i gave it to her and she hated it oh. and didn't get it and didn't understand it and it was the biggest upset and i don't I like now I get just like do a self check on your vulnerability mm-hmm. and kind of um, what it is that you're trying to do and the worst that could happen, you know, and like she was not the person to show that to. Uh, so recovery I, I don't from know that you... is very, very, very difficult. It is. Yeah. We put so much into and and all it is is just a collection of words on paper you know what I mean but you know it becomes like here's my soul will you take a read and validate or destroy it (laughs) one of the biggest fights Lala and I ever got into was she had read my first book and she told me straight up she thought the hero was just too much of a jerk and we and it was just a terrible person and I I just I remember exactly where we were when she said it I remembered realizing that I was going to have to find a new person to be with for the rest of my life. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. interestingly, it had already it had already sold. So then I sent it to my editor and my <laughs> editor wrote back with exactly the same comments, you know, exactly the same. But of course, my editor was right. And well, I still think editor. Lala was wrong. But <laughs> of course she was. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's a really good one, though, is um protecting that creative space, even from people that we love the most. Sometimes they're not exactly the right person to read that. Yeah. And it's, it's protecting the creative space. And then it's also protecting your relationship. Yes. Do you, do you want to take that risk? Risk? Do you really want to? And I've been much more careful with like the last two books that I wrote that were more personal and not so like, this is how twist and fly works. And (laughs) next question. How do you refill the creative well? I am a mystery reader. Oh. Like, not, like it has to be the, oh, I'm not into the, like, the minute the blood splattered on the wall, right. I caught that son of a bitch and I shot him. It, it's like. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm into. I like the dark thriller. Oh, Lots like of- Robert P- Parker? Like that yeah. kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But are, so you're in, are you traditionally more cozy a reader? The cozy mysteries? Uh, well, like Agatha Christie, but not cozy. I, I, not cozy, like, um, you know, as the muffins were ready, but I, I like, like Poirot. I just love yeah. like the characters behind it and the history, uh, not history, but the, the setting and the psychology and also it's, it's just like all mysteries. We hope they follow the formula in which order prevails and rightness prevails. Yes. yes. And that's part of why I can't do some of the newer ones, you know, the girl with the, dragon 
and tattoo. Sometimes it doesn't prevail. Yeah. It's just there's lingering awfulness in this world. Yeah. Oh, I can't. It, it has to be tied up in a nice little knot. And, you know, Maigret goes home from the French prefecture back to his house. And oh. Madame Maigret has a beautiful meal for him and he goes to bed. And that's the end. Okay. On really bad days, what other profession do you wish you had? That is not writing or knitting I, related. And not writing or knitting related. I wish I had started a candy company. Mm. Tell us a little yeah. bit about your caramels. Are you still doing those? It would be my caramel candy company. Yeah. I mean, I have it all. It's so much prettier in my head, right? <laughs> so, yeah. It would, it would just be, and it's, what's making it harder is that my brother has since started a chocolate company. You're so I'm like, damn you, you took my dream. <laughs> yeah. A bean to bar, um, I want to say breed specific, but he's a Somerville chocolate. <laughs> he's gotten written up in the Boston Globe. I'm like, oh. you just, the power of skill and chocolate. Oh, it runs in the blood. Sugar actually runs in your blood somehow. <laughs> now, he's always been a big chocolate fan. He was always the one where he'd be like, I just got a whole pound bag of M&M's. Where could it have? Oh, Eric. <laughs> And he'll be behind the door just like, what? <laughs> so, oh, to be I'm... fair, he has the skill and passion. Yeah. Well, just I've like... had some of your Claremont's. So if... They are delicious. They are amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, that would be my backup business. Okay. I support you in this. And I, if you ever need a tester, I'm sure that you have them coast to coast. But I, I would like to be the Oakland representative for the testers of the Claremont's. <laughs> okay. It's a deal. Can you give us a quick craft tip of some sort when it comes to writing? Uh, you know, my favorite, and I didn't even know until I went to a, a thing for self-published. I, I don't like to go to conferences or classes or anything because I just feel like I'm not a good group person. Um, but So we were going around the room talking about our process, and I was the only one who had published at that point. Uh-huh. Um, and I always, I always speak as I write. Um, except, well, if I'm in my coffee place, I can't. Right. But if I'm at home, I speak when I write. And when yeah. I'm editing, I read it out loud. And it's not like because Professor Schlarmluck told me to do that. I just, <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, oh really? but it's, it's what I've discovered is like that's actually a lot of people do that. And it's a very helpful way to see your words and hear your words in a different way than they were on paper. And you know all this, little Miss MFA. Um, <laughs> I don't do that's... it, though. I, I know it, but I don't do it because I get so frustrated no? at the um, the slowness. I make my computer do it sometimes. Mm. I, I turn it on and it reads in that robot voice, which I actually like. Okay. And last question, what would you like to plug right now and tell us about? Uh, uh, let's see. What would I like to plug right now? I'm still quite um, happy about Knitlandia. I was hoping you would say that. Which, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, Knitlandia. My my other guilty secret pleasure is travel writing. So Paul Theroux, or oh, St. Paul, as I like to call Saint him. St. Paul is um, a great name. <laughs> I, yeah. And Jan Morris. Oh, oh. Number one favorite. Number one favorite. I okay. saw her. I saw her speak at Berkeley once. I know. I know. I don't even know what I would do. I I had a dream before I signed the contract. I, I wrote it down somewhere because now I can't remember. Before I signed the contract to actually do Netlandia, I was really on the fence about it because it was going to be 
my attempt to kind of tackle travels in the knitting world yeah. and take people with me to Iceland to, yeah. to legendary festivals and kind of explain our culture and our history so that when you're with somebody who's like knitting, huh? And starts to do that snarky thing, you can <laughs> yeah. hand them the book and say, look, read this. Yeah. And, and if you still have that attitude, then I don't really want you in my life. Right. But uh, I was still struggling with like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't think I can do it. And then the night before I finally signed and returned the contract, I had a dream that I was having dinner with Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul, please forgive me. It's, it's a book about travels in the knitting world and kind of translating our world within the bigger context and, and uh, continuing what you've also been doing in terms of building a body of um, good reads that aren't not trademarked. Okay. Good space reads. <laughs> good space um, reads, right. Amazon does the, not own these good reads. <laughs> no, it does not. But yeah, good reads that aren't like, uh, here's a pattern or here's history, right. but like, here's, right. here's life. Here's the world. Here's adventure and feeling. Well, and you do and, that wonderful thing that I love so much that they do too, which is the, the specific essay that opens out into a larger truth. And mm. I think you did that so, so beautifully. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Wow, that's you described it so nice. Big fan, I, I, Clara Parks. Big aw. fan. Where can readers find you if they'd like to? I mean, readers. Where can listeners find you too? Readers know where to find you. Um, listeners can find me. I got to do the audiobook re recordings You're of Atlantia and the Yarn Whisperer. That sounds for terrible. Random House. How is that? Oh, I I loved it. Did you <laughs> really? Oh yeah. I, it's not for everybody. I don't think it would be for no, me at all. It's not, no, because you're in a tiny room and it's 240 degrees and there's a little window and a person sitting on the other side of it. <sighs> and you have these earphones on and the, the feedback is really pumped up. So you hear oh. every little bit of like spittle, every like nose Sibilance. whistle, every, right. every, and you just, and it's so loud in your head that you just. So I finally had, like, could you turn it down more? No, more? Could you just, like, I don't want to hear myself. But but as a writer, though, it was so great because you, you can present it, like, you can help out certain things that yeah. might not have been conveyed clearly enough. Yeah. You can hit you know, you, all the words that you want emphasis on correctly. Yeah. And that's why I can't yeah. listen to my own audiobooks. They're, they've all been professionally oh. done, but I cannot. <gasps> I, and, and God forbid I ever listened to a sex scene, I think I would actually just disappear. And, and everyone would wonder the rapture had gotten Rachel because I'd be gone. So It seems like you would feel photoshopped, like your words coming out of somebody else's voice. Yes, photoshopped terribly by that guy who works in the oh. mall in Boise, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, have oh. To, I have to get your audiobooks because I just love all your, the way you speak anyway. This sounds oh. awesome. Thank you. Well, my, my one last bit of advice yes. for anybody uh, who's writing a book who thinks it might become an audio book, <laughs> do not write about Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really kind of sloppy word, isn't it? Iceland. And, and, and all Iceland. Fjord, fjord, I can't. I We were there last year and I still cannot pronounce the places yeah. I yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No way. No way. What did and, you and do? She, well, she kept like pausing. Um, I also had a producer who was Skyped in from New York and she kept like, you know, ding, ding, uh, Clara, could we do that again? But could you not laugh this time? Because <laughs> I kept, <laughs> it's all you can do when you know you are just 
butchering this ancient, beautiful oh. language. Oh. I could you say, know. I could say Thingborg and I could say Reykjavik. And those are, that's what I got. <laughs> oh, but it has to be Thingborg. <laughs> <sighs> I can't wait to listen to it. I'm going to listen to that <laughs> chapter first. <laughs> Just make a beeline straight for it. Straight for Iceland. <laughs> well, Clara, you are delightful. As always, you are you are sweeter than your Claramels, and what a, what a treat it is to talk to you. Thank you so much oh, for doing this with me today. Thank you, Rachel. It's my pleasure, truly. Yay. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, where I live, or Facebook, where I don't, and look for the show notes and more fun at howdoyouwritepodcast.com. You can also support my Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a dollar an essay. Just go to patreon.com backslash Rachel, that's R-A-C-H-A-E-L, and now go to your desk and perform some of your own feats of writing daring do. Create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. Mm-hmm.